Thanks for joining us online today. We are really glad you're here. Core Church is a place of hope, healing, peace, and purpose. And if you don't have a church home, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. And if we can help you in any way through prayer or support, we want to encourage you to use the links that are in the description. Thanks for joining us, and we pray this message both encourages and inspires you. Uh, today is Be a Voice Sunday. Be a voice for those who have no voice. That, if you're new here, uh, my name's Brad, and I'm one of the pastors, and this is really the heartbeat of our church. Uh, we do work all over the world. We have uh, work we're doing in Ethiopia. We have, I think, close to almost 30 house churches now that meet underground in highly Islamic areas. 30 of them meeting underground right now. And these are... And these are people who like got up today and snuck into church. Uh, if you don't know about our work there, I don't have time to talk about it, but just know they, they come one by one under the threat of death. Um, and I'm honored because next year I get to go and um, meet with them. And I just am so humbled like to be around these pastors and leaders. Like I can't wait to for some of what they do rub off on me and I can bring back. We do work down in Guatemala. I just got word this week. Um, again, I don't have time to go into these stories, but when we were down there, there was a public school there where the restrooms were all broken. Every toilet was broken. There was stuff all over the floor, water everywhere. It was a complete mess. But you gave and work here in the next couple of weeks is they're going to be redoing all of those bathrooms. They went into the school, told the teachers, and some of them, they were just overwhelmed. Can we give God praise for the work? It's happening in Guatemala. But when we do Be a Voice Sunday, um, it's one thing we say here at Core Church, we're not just a Sunday church, we're an everyday church. This is kind of who we are every day. And it's not just something we do around the world, it's something we do here locally. We work extensively with Abba Compassionate Ministries. Come on, let's give some love to Abba Compassionate Ministries. Every day, being a voice for those who have no voice. And then this weekend, uh, gathering and ministering to these foster families. Um, those of you that were here for that event and have been here in the past for that event, it's pretty overwhelming when you see every child that's running around in the room, um, they don't, they're away from their mom and dad. Some of them are never gonna have rec any hope of reconciliation. Some of them are working towards reconciliation. Uh, and, and it's a beautiful thing because what happens in moments like that is these kids... They have a safe place to come and just have some fun for a while. But what I want you to know, and you're gonna hear more about this here in a moment, but what is the beautiful thing about foster care is it also supports the parents as many of them are trying to get clean from drugs and alcohol or go through rehabilitation so that they can get their children back. And, and this provides, that's what foster care is about. It provides this, this window where children can still receive love and care most of you know that this is really close to Laura and I and our heart um, because our two, um, our two youngest um, are adopted. And they're adults now, and they're married, and they're beautiful people. But there was a, about a 21-month window that we weren't able to get them to us, and a foster family stepped in the gap. A Christian foster family that cared for them, loved them, took them to church every week, prayed with them, told them about Jesus. I was like, man, uh, my daughter was two weeks old when uh, she was taken into foster care. And this foster mom from the time that Skye was two weeks old, prayed over her and loved her. If you have ever fostered, can we just thank our foster families for the work that they do? Man, it's unbelievable. It's so beautiful. It's so amazing. And then uh, you, many of you have been a product of adoption. Either you've been adopted or you have adopted or your brother or sister adopted. Can we just thank our adoptive families for the taking kids in and saying, hey, you get a permanent home right here. to raise you to love you and know you. Uh, okay, I'll tell this just real quick. My, the happiest day I think I've ever had as a dad was putting up Christmas lights with Jeremiah. He was three, and uh, he had been with us for a few months. 
and um, we'd gone around the dinner table and we said, hey, what do you, what do you want to call us? Because I just wanted it to happen naturally. And he looked at Laura and he said, I'm going to call you mom. And he came to me and I was like, here we go. I mean, I was like, he said, I'm going to call you Uncle Brad. <laughs> I was trying so hard not to show my disappointment. And I mean, I, 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 was, I was like, man, God, I, I, I want him to call me dad, but I want it to be when he's ready to call me dad. And I, I just, I want, to be, I want him to know that I'm his dad and I'm going to care for him. And then we were putting up Christmas lights uh, about a month and a half later. And uh, he was helping me. And I was up on a ladder and, and he had grabbed some lights and he goes, here you go, dad. And then I'm looking at him and I am bawling. <laughs> He's like, you okay, dad? <laughs> I'm really good right now. So uh, what I'm excited about today is my good friend, Chris Campbell from the 111 Project is gonna be sharing about how we can be a voice for those who have no voice. Chris is doing incredible work in our city and in our state, even around the world. Um, he's been here before as a guest. And before he comes, we're gonna see a video, but I wanna pray together and then we're gonna watch a video of what the 111 Project's all about. Father, thank you for this day to be a voice for those who have no voice. I pray you'd speak through my friend today. God, rise us up out of these seats to do the mighty work of our Lord and Savior. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Our church was super involved in international missions, but we weren't helping local children and families in our own backyard. How did I not realize that this problem was so huge? How did I not realize that there were thousands of them next door and in my kids' school and in our church. We could make a tremendous difference if we just were connected to these kids, that everybody in our congregation wanted to help, but they just didn't know how. To me, I, I don't think it's optional for us. I don't think we get to decide, hey, are we gonna, are we gonna you know, go to bat for those who are fatherless and those who can't take care of themselves. I, I think we're called to that. And so it's not, it's not if we do it, it's how. So 111 Project exists to mobilize the local church to see that every child in Oklahoma has a family. And what we love to do is help a church move from awareness of the local foster care crisis to actually being engaged to provide a biblical best practice, disciple-shape-making movement to actually end the child welfare crisis. Well, thank you guys. Yeah, come on. Uh, I am a Tulsa Broken Arrow boy, grew up here my whole life, and uh, grew up listening to the sexy voice of Banana and Mel in the morning. And uh, there's not many pastors like your pastor. I hope you guys know uh, how special this family is and how great it is uh, for them to be your guys' leaders. And uh, I know they're leading by example, and that's something to be really said uh, in this day and age. And so I'm just grateful for you guys. Let me come and be a part. Um, love this church, love this community. But this last year, uh, my family uh, got to travel a little bit. This is a little picture of my crew. Uh, this is us in Wadi Rum uh, in Jordan. And uh, I've got three older boys and two younger daughters. Um, and one of the things that uh, in traveling, you know, you get exposed to just some wonderful things when you're the minority, where, when you're in a different culture. And I just encourage you guys, one of the things that I love about this church is their hospitality, but I also love you guys being on mission and you going outside of your church, whether it's across the street to your neighbor or across town to a different part of town to even around the world. And, and what we gotta realize is the same people that we wanna be around the world is the same people we wanna be in our community, right? We wanna, we wanna be the same here in our family as we are with our neighbor, with a stranger. And this morning, I, I just wanna recognize, um, you know, right now our world is kind of in what feels like a heavy turmoil, not that, it isn't always in that. Um, but this last year, my family, we were in Israel um, in the communities of Hebron, which is in the West Bank, um, where there's a little place called the Tomb of the Patriarchs. It's, it's the actual tomb that most people would agree is, the, is where Abraham and Isaac and Jacob are all buried with their, with their wives. And it's a, it's a revered site both by Muslims and Jews because of this connected shared history. And, and if you look at the biblical story of Abraham, 
at his funeral was Ishmael and, and, and his sons, Isaac, both at the funeral, the two brothers. And even today, that's still that, that burden of that feud, the burden of the challenges are there. And the hope that we have in Jesus, guys, the hope that we all grieve for is that everybody matters, both Palestinian and Israeli, that God cares for all of them and he has a redemptive plan for everyone. And so this morning, as we grieve, um, as we lean into maybe some hard realities of foster care, I just wanna highlight God's plan is for everyone, okay? God's plan and hope is for all people, um, all tribes, all tongues, all nations, um, and even folks that sometimes seem uh, that come from hard places that, that God has a hope of restoration for all folks. And he wants to use you and me, boys and girls, men and women who are following Jesus in that, in that redemptive plan. Um, I do get to uh, have this amazing privilege of leading the 111 Project. I'm grateful for you guys and your support uh, for that ministry. Um, right now, we have 650 churches that are partnered with us all across the state of Oklahoma. Um, they are doing a wonderful work. You guys are doing a wonderful work to serve children and families in the foster care system. Um, we advocate for more foster and adoptive families. That's something we always need um, in the state of Oklahoma right now. Um, we have about 80 children that are still in shelters because we don't have enough foster families. Um, and so we're always needing more of them. Uh, but one of the things that we also are advocating for is cheering for the biological family, as Brad mentioned, those families that um, only about 50% of the time um, can, a, can a family get their children back. And so foster families and adoptive families are needed, but what if we could prevent more kids from going into the system in the first place? And what if we could get them back with their families faster when that's a possibility? And so this network of 650 churches not only is helping recruit more foster and adoptive families, but they're also serving families in the child welfare system. And over the last five, six years, we've seen over 28,000 children and families served through churches like your in our community in the state of Oklahoma, which is absolutely amazing. And here's one of the things I'm just really proud of. At 2015, we almost had 12,000 children in state custody. Today, or as of this last, we look at the first of every month, there was about 6,250, 6,250 children in care. That is because of the hard work that's happening through the community and through our agency partners like DHS and Circle of Care, they're out in the lobby. That is helping keep kids out of foster care and getting them back with their families faster, serving those families, sometimes with basic needs as simple as a car seat or a bunk bed or helping with the utility bill. You know, if, if, a, if a grandma doesn't have electricity in her home, it's really hard for her to care for her, kin, her, her grandkids. All, all those types of things and other things um, lead to that. And so 111, really our heart is to see that, you know, one church for one family, recruiting one foster family every year, um, to even serving just about one family every month. If our 6,200 churches in the state of Oklahoma would do that, we have no child welfare crisis, okay? There, there, as was mentioned, the theme, there's more than enough. There's families waiting on children instead of children waiting in shelters on families because the church is big enough and strong enough and, and has the resources enough to be mobilized to really make a difference. And you guys are doing that. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being a part. So uh, one of the things I wanna recognize um, on this Sunday is ultimately it, the church is a part of this work of advocacy, but ultimately what we point to is our Father. Okay, And so when we get involved in any space, there is a danger of all of us thinking that we are the solution, okay? that we are the hero in the story. And, and guys, we're not. Okay, Ultimately, anything that we have comes from the image of God, from the Father placing that in us. And as you'll see over here in Psalm 68, 6, the scripture states that it is God who is the defender, he is the one who is the father to the fatherless, the defender of the widow, widows. It is God in his holy dwelling, but it's God's plan. His institution has always been family. And since the beginning of the world, Satan has been going after that institution. Okay, that institution of family from the very beginning to this day is God's plan. And it's also Satan's number one place of attack. Okay, is to attack that family unit. And so God casts this vision for us and bears this vision for us. But as we know in the scripture says um, that Jesus came, okay? Jesus came to show us that there is, 
you know, through this advocacy work, there is work to be done, okay? The image bearing is, is fulfilled in Jesus coming in earth. It's the God with us that is not only just in Jesus, but it's also in the Holy Spirit. And so in 1 John 2, 1, uh, where this whole advocacy work happens and where be a voice is really rooted in is that it's God who is our advocate, but it's Jesus who is our advocate. And it's the Holy Spirit that ultimately is the advocate in us. It's taking that image of God through the Son, through the Holy Spirit, through us. And it's a calling that each and every one of us have. Each and every one of you in this room is an advocate. And sometimes we feel like we don't have the ability to be that, but what the scripture affirms is that he gave us the helper, okay? And what I want you guys to see in this, in 1 John 2, 1, it talks about that Jesus was our advocate and the work, the word that the Greek actually uses here is it's called parakletos. And it's the one who pleads before the judge. John only uses that word Okay, he's the only one to use it in the scripture. And, and he uses it four times in John to talk about the Holy Spirit, but he uses it this one time to talk about it in 1 John. And it's this idea that the same Jesus that's the advocate to the Father is the same Jesus I'm putting inside of you. You have more than enough. You have the power to be an advocate. You have a the power to not only go to the Father that approached the throne of grace with confidence because he cares for you, but you have the power to go stamped, signed with authority by Jesus to go out into the community and advocate on behalf of kids and families, your neighbor, your friends, your family. And sometimes we let the obstacles of the world, we let busyness and all those things get in the way we let fear overwhelm us maybe that we're just not adequate enough to do those things. And what I wanna remind you guys today is that Jesus, the Paracletus, is inside of you here to help you do the exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever think or imagine. And at the moment that you feel maybe the weight of your family is too much, the drama in your household or the obstacles, whether it be financial or marriage, those same walls that you run into again and again and again. Remember, it's the God of the universe. He is the defender. He is the one that can resolve those situations. And when you get to the point where it's like, I don't have enough. There's too many needs, there's too many obstacles, there's too many challenges. He wants to move in and through you to resolve them. And so it's not just the image of God that we get to bear. It's the Emmanuel, the God with us. As we enter this season of Emmanuel, he's with you. He's moving in you. And he wants to do the exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever think or imagine. So I want to try something a little bit. I want to talk about Bible advocates, okay? So I'm gonna share a little story. This is not rhetorical. I want you to respond. I wanna share a person in scripture who we can look to as one of those great cloud of witnesses. And I want you to say out loud who this person is, okay? So let's try this. You've heard in the scripture, a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Who was that? John the Baptist. John was an advocate. You got this. See, this responsive thing here. I love it. Let my people go so that they may serve me. Moses. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, right? We got it? Okay, it's good. Okay? So we, Moses was ultimately an advocate, right? Moses didn't take up a sword and free his people like Napoleon. What did Moses do? He prayed and he advocated on the people who were in slaves' behalf to say, God told me, <laughs> I'm just the messenger, let my people go. Okay, what about this one? Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people, this is a little harder, living in this city? Far be it from you to do such a thing. God, would you kill the righteous with the wicked alike, treating the righteous with the wicked? Far be it from you. Will not the judge of earth do this right? Abraham. Abraham advocating for Sodom and Gomorrah. 
and his family. Lot, right? Did Abraham do anything other than advocate? No, he was just an advocate in that situation. Okay, what about this one? If I found favor in your sight, O king, and if you please the king, let my life be granted me for my wish and my people for my request. Esther. What was Esther? She was an advocate. She had a connection to the king, a relationship with the king that allowed her to advocate in a special way for her people. Okay, what about this one? There was a traveler who bandaged a victim's wounds who was attacked by robbers. He put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The good Samaritan. He, he put some action to his advocacy, but ultimately he advocated in a way that nobody else did. Even though it wasn't his responsibility, right? Jesus asked, who's the neighbor? Who acted like a neighbor? The Samaritan. So all these heroes and stories of faith, there's something that's a continuous thread here. People of God, I want you to see. Okay, if we are image bearers of God, I think what the scripture tells us is that God is looking to move among his people. I, I was reading one time and, and God asked this question, why was Abraham so special? Why did God choose to make a, a nation out of Abraham? And I think there was probably some characteristics in Abraham that God said, hey, there's some things in him that are special. He's advocating. He's showing hospitality. These are the people I wanna move with. And what the scripture tells us, guys, First Peter and the Psalms, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. So he's looking at the righteous, but he's also looking to those who are serving and caring for the vulnerable and are praying and are advocating over and over again. Advocates matter, and here's a story I wanna jump into, even the non-Christian ones. If you got your Bible today, I'd love for you to open up to Matthew 8, 5 through 13. We're gonna look at one of these stories here. This is one that you're all familiar with, but I want you to see something even in a non-Christian advocate. God is looking, he's seeing, he's wanting to move. And in Matthew 8, verse five, there's a story about this Roman officer. And what I love about this story is this is Jesus coming just off the Beatitudes. He's just been on the mountainside sharing that whole sermon, okay, up there on the mountain. If you've been to Israel, um, you see the Sea of Galilee. If you haven't been to Israel, picture like Table Rock Lake, okay? It's not, it's not the massive ocean or sea like you may picture. It's, it's bigger than Table Rock Lake, um, about seven miles long, two and a half, three miles wide, okay? There's, there's these hills, maybe not quite rocky mountains, maybe more like Washita's, you know, that are surrounding the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus has been up there in the mountains. He's coming down to this gorgeous lake. Um, one of my favorite memories of me and my boys on this trip was there at the Sea of Galilee. There's this waterfall that rushes into the Sea of Galilee coming out from the mountains. And, uh, and it has like this no swimming sign on it, no fishing sign, but all the locals were swimming and fishing. And so we're like, hey, we're going in. And, and I was there with my three boys playing around in the water. And I just could imagine, I, I love how the chosen has brought to life so much of the Bible for many of us. And, and through that series and other series, I just imagine Jesus going to the Sea of Galilee, playing in the water by the waterfall with his boys. You know, the fun, Jesus was fun. He loved, he was the guy that got invited to the wedding, right? Him and the guys were fun enough. It wasn't like, oh no, don't invite them. It was like, no, invite Jesus and all the guys, okay? And so, in the scenery of, of the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum was one of his favorite places to go. It was like his retreat. You may have that spot maybe down in Broken Bow or wherever that you like to go. It's your little spot. And it seems like for whatever reason, Capernaum was Jesus's spot. So Jesus is going to his spot. And along the way, there's this Roman officer that bumps into him. And he says, pleading to him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I will come to him and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are, my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. 
I only need say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this and they do it, then get this church. Then Jesus heard this, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. The Roman officer amazed the savior of the world. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from the east to west, to sit down, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, (laughs) at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites for who the kingdom was prepared will be thrown in outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believe this happened and the young servant was healed that same hour. Let's pray real quick. Father, I just, sometimes we feel that the work that we do doesn't really matter. Sometimes we feel like that servant in the preschool ministry or servant in the youth group or taking that quiche to our neighbor in their time of sickness doesn't matter. But Father, I pray right now in your church, in this room, that your spirit would move and realize and move in your people in a way that they would realize that every act of kindness done in Jesus' name that when the world is shaken out, stands. And in your kingdom, it matters. Father, raise up advocates. It's in your son's name that we pray, amen. So here's what I wanna say to you, church. Here's a couple things that I want you to see about Jesus and what we can learn from this Roman officer that all of us can do. Okay, this, once again, Roman officer hated by the Jews, okay? Not even a believer in Jesus, maybe was a God-fearing person, But ultimately, here's what he did. He came and he knew of the need. That was simple. He knew of the need. He had care and compassion on the need of his servant. He didn't look at his servant as a proper, as a piece of property. He didn't look at his servant as a number, another number that he could replace. He had care and compassion on something that he was in close proximity to. And so one of the first things that we can learn from the centurion is that we just gotta care. You just gotta care. In the world today, when there's so many things about to care about, there's so much noise that's coming across our desk, the emails, the things, you can't care about everything, but you can care about something. And so church, I just wanna encourage you in whatever that thing is, There's a tendency when we get too much noise to shut off the caring. The scripture warns us about it. It says, don't let your heart get hardened. The only unforgivable sin in the scripture, do you know what it is? It's a hardened heart. It's one that rejects, blasphemies the Holy Spirit by saying, you can't touch this. And so one of the worst things that can happen to us and the people of God is to turn off that thing in us that cares, that sensitivity to what the the Lord is saying to us. And so the first thing that we can learn from the Roman centurion is that he cared. And that he knew the need and he was close to it. But thirdly, here's where advocacy comes in, is he gave it importance, okay? Your voice matters because you validate the need of somebody else that doesn't have a voice. And so sometimes what Americans, what we have a tendency to do is we like to write checks and we like to solve things. We think that our money really matters. But what I want you to hear to people of God, I want you to hear more than anything else today. You matter because your reputation matters. And when you take your reputation and you put your name on the line for somebody else and you say, this is important, people of God, that's some of the biggest things that you can do. You can say, hey, I have a friend. They are in need. They are in crisis church. I can't solve this on my own. Will you come and help me? Okay? And so when you see a need or you have a cause, it's you. God is calling you to be the voice of those that have no voice. And you bring your relevancy to it. You bring the importance to it to say, hey, this matters. And then lastly, he took action. He did something about it. Even when he knew that he couldn't solve it, 
He took action to go to those that he knew that could help, to Jesus. And ultimately, this is what the scripture says. It says, keep on knocking, <laughs> keep on seeking, keep on asking, because God wants to move. And here, here what I want you guys just to see is a few lessons that we know from Jesus. Jesus wanted to help. <laughs> Jesus wants to help you. Okay, and, and sometimes it's hard when we've not seen Jesus come through, maybe in the ways that we wanted him to in the past, but don't not trust the heart of your father. The heart of your father always wants to help. The scripture says the door to heaven is open and the kingdom of God is here. Emmanuel is here, okay? And so what we know, the truth of scripture is that Jesus always wants to help. He doesn't always help in the way that we want him to though, right? Sometimes he's doing a miracle for his glory. Another time he is holding somebody up for his glory. He's in the midst of the suffering with them and holding them to say, hey, in this situation, when I heal, I'm enough. In this situation, in the pain and suffering of cancer, I am enough. Over here in the celebration of family and marriage, hey, I'm enough. Over here in the, in the difficulties of maybe singleness, I am enough. Hey, over here in, in the freedom and the richness and wealth, I'm enough. Hey, over here in the midst of addiction, I'm enough. And so either way, I want you to know though, don't not trust the heart of your father. Don't question it for one instance that he doesn't care because out of anybody who cares, Jesus cares. Secondly, Jesus had capacity. So there's a really interesting story. There was a scenario that was ran uh, one of the colleges about, hey, what's, what's the difference between people who care and people who don't? So they ran this little scenario out and they just experimented with this one little factor. They, they brought a bunch of college students together and they said, hey, we need you to go to a meeting across campus, okay? And you need to be over there. With one group of students, they said, hey, you gotta get there right now. You're actually late, with another group of students, they said, hey, you've got all the time in the world. You got 30, 40 minutes, okay, before you have to get there. And in the midst of that scenario, they stuck an individual that, who was in need. Do you know the, the single difference between those who helped the individual and those who didn't was in that experiment? It was the, one who, the ones who had capacity. It was the ones who had time. And I think it was C.S. Lewis, he speaks of this in many of his books of mere Christianity. If, if the devil can't get you to sin, do you know what the next best thing he's gonna do? He's gonna get you busy. And one of the biggest lessons that we learn around from traveling the world is the rest of the world, guys, is time rich. They're time rich. They may be resource poor, but they're rich in time and relationships. And one of the big temptations for us in America, guys, is we love our productivity, we love our results, we love our solutions, we love being this, the, the champion. And at times what it does is it makes us so time poor that we don't have time to even help those in need. We can't go over and talk after work with our neighbor who needs Jesus and maybe needs to uncompress from the day. We don't have time to do that extra thing that we've always wanted to do. And so maybe out of anything that we can learn from today or from Jesus, if we watch him, he always had capacity to serve. The weight of the world sitting on his shoulders. And Jesus says, I'm here to help. How can I help? I'll, I'll go today <laughs> and heal your servant child. <laughs> My plan is, I, like, the savior of the world, guys. He's like, my schedule's open, <laughs> you know? Hey, where, where do you wanna go? I'll, I'll go, heal your servant. I'll go help you in your time of need. But then, in this moment, what I love about the story out of anything else is Jesus' faith is amazed by the advocate, by the Roman centurion. It, the scripture literally says that that his faith amazed the heart of Jesus. 
And so guys, what I wanna really encourage you in your advocacy work is you spending time, you doing the work of being the voice for somebody that doesn't have a voice, it amazes your father. He's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant to you. Even when you feel like that's all you can do in the schedule that you're handed, it's the least that we can do is to be a voice and be an advocate. I joke all the time with my folks is this is one of your most powerful tools. For us old people in the room, this is our Rolodex, right? Okay, the young kids are Rolodex. What's a Rolodex, okay? It was this little flip thing that had all your contacts on it, okay? You didn't, you didn't flip this way, you flipped this way, okay? And you flipped that way and you found, okay, alphabetized and you put some in, you took some out, you know, it was really important because if you needed to call that friend, you had to go to the Rolodex, right? A lot of our families that are in crisis, they have nobody else to call, okay? And then when they look at the numbers in their phones, oftentimes it's only the paid people. They're people who are paid to care for them, okay? When we look at a lot of our foster youth that are graduating from the system, it's that caseworker from five years ago that they have a number for. If I said right now I had a plumbing need, probably half this room could find me a plumber. I got a plumber, (laughs) okay, that you trust, that isn't gonna screw you over, okay, that's gonna take good care of you, right? Okay, that's gonna give you a reasonable price, all right? A lot of our families don't have a plumber, don't have somebody to call. Don't have somebody when that check engine light goes on, okay, my, my kids are old enough now where it's starting to come around. They, you know, I've always had a pretty good relationship with them, but they're coming back to me more now saying, hey, how do I fix this, right, in their older years? So it's like dad's all, all of a sudden got all this wisdom, you know? It's like, you Googled it before, I'm gonna Google it now, you know? But, but the quick fix is go call dad, right? Go call dad, help me with this thing. They don't have anybody to call. And so you being in close proximity to children and families in need, you being in close proximity to each other in this church in the sake of community, that close proximity, don't underestimate how important it is. Okay, being in community and being in the world in a way that you can say, hey, I'm here, what's your need? How can I advocate? Okay, we also see this in Acts 10.30. I just wanna give you another example, Cornelius Okay, once again, the, he had an angel appear to him. An angel appeared to this other Roman guy that wasn't a believer, and it said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Two simple acts, advocacy and care for the vulnerable. It's like God is just waiting, guys, to invade those scenarios. So from our experience, I wanna give you a couple other little best practices, okay, about advocacy. We do this all the time. Um, As a part of one-on-one project, we have this thing called the Care Portal Platform. Um, There's been about 20,000 requests that have come to our churches in the state of Oklahoma through Care Portal. And what I love to get to see through our church partners is they receive this email and then they just get to work. They advocate for these needs. Okay, they go out there and they say, hey, this matters. How can I help on their Facebook group, with their women's group, with their rotary group, with their business? It doesn't matter how the need gets met. Doesn't matter how the, serve, uh, the family gets served, but there's a Christian in the midst of it saying, hey, this is important. We wanna see the, the reconciliation of the world and God's work in, in the lives of children and families in the state of Oklahoma. And so this is what we know, okay? It's really tempting to try to do everything. And once again, you can't. So what do you do? You start close and you move out. There's this idea in scripture that you need to be taking care of your own household first, okay? And, and the reality of it is so many of us with great hearts and great intentions, we go out in the community and we start to serve, but we've not taken care of our own house. And when we look at that, there's a, there's a disparity there. And, and church, what I wanna tell you is, what's the most important institution? Family. So what's gotta make sure that it's gotta be taken care of? Your family. That means your personal family. That also means your church family. But then when you're tethered to that family and you're going out, you're not going alone, right? 
What does the scripture say about going out? Not one by one by one, right? Two by two by two in the context of community is even better, okay? So we start close, then we move out. We bring health that we have into the world with us. We take our tent and we say, hey, you know what? I've got more than enough. And we move our tent a little bit over a little bit more so somebody else can experience the shade and the encouragement. And guys, you see this vision? If all of us would just have health here and move our tents a little bit further, over half of our state claim to be believers, have some connection to the church. There's more than enough for our state and our community to know the love of Jesus, okay? Second thing I would say is assume the best. Man, our judgments are thick. The scripture's very, very clear. Do not look in the outward appearances, okay? But look at the hearts and assume the best. And, I, and here's what I just wanna recognize. All of us have had experiences that can jade our heart. But all of you know this, that if you begin to learn someone's story and their background, God's grace, you, you realize, hey, maybe I'm not, I'm not so much far from, from you. And actually, I, I may have been in some that may have done some of the things that you did because of the background that you had. If you talk to some of our foster kids and you hear about the trauma that they've incurred and the loss that they've incurred, and you wonder, you wonder why maybe they behave the way that they behaved, look at their stories. Look at, and, and be careful uh, to not have judgment. But in that instance, the scripture also says, hey, be wise as serpent and as innocent as doves, okay? So people of God, here's what I wanna encourage you. Use wisdom, but give lots and lots of grace. Thirdly, focus on the strengths of the people that you're advocating for, okay? If I came to you today and said, hey, I have a deadbeat dad that is never showing up to any of his appointments, doesn't really care about his kids, um, he's still addicted to drugs, and I need a car seat to help him spend more time with his kids, you'd probably look at me and say, I need new tires on my car, and I actually want a Starbucks, <laughs> you know? Like, there would be no motivation for you if I did not advocate for anything related to dad for you to come in and help that situation, right? But what if I said, hey, I have a dad here, and for the first time in his life, he's holding down a job. He's fighting his addiction, okay? He's making progress. And every time that he interacts with his kids, just like Brad was talking about, they run up to him and they're yelling, daddy, 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 we've missed you, we've missed you. And dad grabs them and holds them and loves on them. And he says, kids, I'm trying, I'm working really hard. And that short little visitation time that that caseworker sees. And hey, the only way that dad can spend more time with those kids is if he had a car seat, because if the state says our goal is safety, how can we stick dad in the car with his kids if he doesn't have a car seat? But we know that's the next best thing for dad. And I said, hey, church, would you help me with a car seat? Probably a big chunk of you would say, hey, I'll help. I got, I got a car seat or I'll, what is it gonna cost? Okay, so when you're advocating for folks, advocate for their strengths. All of us are messed up. Say it to your neighbor, I'm a little complicated. <laughs> say it to your neighbor, I'm a little complicated. <laughs> We're all complicated. Okay, and if you take my worst day and you put it on a billboard, none of you gonna want me speaking on the stage, right? Like this guy, he doesn't need to be up there, okay? In the same way, advocate for the strengths of those that, that, that you're advocating for, all right? And then this one's a little maybe counterintuitive, but start with the easiest and move with the hardest. If I say to hey, church today, I have a, a schizophrenic homeless mom, okay, who's addicted to drugs, and I need you to help her. I'm like, ah, I don't know if I'm ready for that, <laughs> okay? Our caseworkers are, are in the middle of that every day. I just wanna remind you, they're in the middle of the really, really, really hard. But initially, there's a discipleship pathway that all of us need to be on, and that involves right thinking, but also right actions which create right experiences that help us overcome a fear that maybe we have that I can't do this, but it's through these experiences of starting easy, getting the reps in, that we realize I can do the thing, whatever it is, okay? So some of you, what your next step is, is you need to get some reps. 
and I'm the messenger here, not the pastor. You need to get off your blessed assurance. <laughs> and you need to go do something. And you need to, I mean, and, and my seniors, some of you guys have parented a long time, and I say this out of love, but the world is telling you that the biggest battle that you need to face is keeping your yard green and the weeds out of it. That is not your biggest battle. I was just talking to one of my new friends. Caleb was going after the promised land at 85. We need grandparents. We need parents. We need people to charge our community and say, hey, you matter. I'm going to be your voice. I'm going to help you. Find your cause. Find your thing. Life is too short. But start with the easiest. Take some steps. Okay? We've got a lot of crazy foster parents. The reason that they're crazy is because they took some steps. Maybe you're not ready to bring a child into your home. But hey, maybe, maybe you're ready to receive an email and meet a need, deliver a car seat, help with a bunk bed. Okay, meet a family at Walmart and say, hey, can I shop with you for your grandkids? You know, buy some clothes. Maybe you need to be a court-appointed special advocate at CASA. Hey, I've got some time. I'll, I'll advocate for a kid. Maybe you need to be on what's called the PAR board. If you don't like kids, that's okay. We've got something for you to do, okay? <laughs> PARB is literally this organization in the city. They review cases and they read them and they say, hey, judge, I think, we could advocate in a different way for this family. Don't even have to play with kids, okay? Or have them in your home. But ultimately, we need more homes, okay? We need more foster families too, okay? Um, but then also, I would, I would also say, start with the need behind the need. Okay, the Holy Spirit is talking and he's working and, and we need to listen, church, okay? Um, one of the beautiful passages of scripture, I think, is talking about Ezekiel after the Tower of Babel and he goes in the wilderness and he's just beat up. And he's sitting there kind of under a shrubbery and he's kind of woe is me. And I think we can model after what God does in this moment. And if you remember that scripture, you know what God does in that situation for him is he says, here's some food. He actually makes him a meal. And then he says, go to sleep. <laughs> he didn't chastise Ezekiel. He's like, Dude, you just saw fire come down from heaven and you're, you're complaining about Jezebel, you know? No, he, he feeds them, tells them to go to sleep. God knew the biggest need that Ezekiel had was not the crisis that he was facing. He needed food and he, he needed to rest. And he does that a couple of times with Ezekiel. Many times, church, we, we talk a lot and we need to keep our mouth shut and we just need to be present. With people. We need to see the need behind their need. Or, or, or maybe it's somebody that says, hey, I'm new here. Can you help me with something? Because I'm new to town. What does that person really need? Well, they probably need community. They probably need an invitation to core church, right? We need to be able to listen and be attuned for the work of God in our community and see the need behind the need. But lastly, I want to encourage you guys, it's not about transaction. It's about relationship. And you guys see that here at CORE. You're living that out um, here at this place. Um, it's so easy to think that it's about the more dollars that we can do, the more people that we can serve, the more backpacks that we can get out. And Jesus models this so well. It's about the connection and the relationship and the redemptive work that he's doing. So I wanna show you a picture of one of my friends. This is Ariel. And um, Ariel is an advocate. Ariel runs uh, the Center for Social Innovation at OSU. She advocates for other moms um, who are coming from hard places. And OSU's got this awesome program to try to help get them a college education. This is Ariel 2023. This was Ariel 2015. Ariel um, struggling with mental illness, struggling with addiction, got into this abandoned apartment with her son and had the doors knocked on because somebody cared. Okay, I want you guys to see this. Somebody cared and said, hey, I, th I think this kid's in trouble. I think this situation's not good. So somebody called our hotline, made that situation known, and, and unfortunately, folks had to come into Ariel's life and take her son, Goose, and say, Ariel, we need to get you some help. 
okay? So Goose goes into foster care. Ariel begins to get in some programs that actually get her some help, okay? Help her. Help her get free from addiction. If you don't know this, the number one abuser in the state of Oklahoma is single white females. It's not because single white females are bad. It's because single white females are the last line of defense for their kids. So Ariel's the last line of defense for Goose. She has all these other things that are coming over here. But then typically because of in foster care, it's, it's mental illness, it's substance abuse, it's poverty. All those things contribute to kids being in unsafe environments. And when there's unsafe environments, we have to remove the kids for the sake of the kids and for the hope of the family, whatever that family unit is. So Ariel gets this help. She makes this road of recovery. There's a care portal request that's put out in the community for her. And it's, it's for something as simple as a crib because she's making progress and, and they want her son Goose to go back with her. And Ariel jokes, she works for OSU, but it was an OU uh, crib and blankets and all the things that she got. <laughs> but she talks about that instance. She said, it was the first time that somebody genuinely helped me not expecting something in return. And she said that sense of care put a longing in me for community so when I got an invitation to a church out of that care portal request, I said yes to it. And she found a little church called Oklahoma City Community Church in Oklahoma City, and, and she got remarried, and, and she's stable, and she now works for the Social Center of Social Innovation. Um, I loved watching this video of her wedding because she literally had a drum corps at her wedding. And I just thought, what a beautiful picture from this to drum corps at your wedding celebrating the hope you have in Jesus. But the story gets better. Go to the next slide. This is Ariel's sister, Portia. Portia was an atheist. Portia grew up in the same home that Ariel did, the same dysfunction. Portia says, if only we had love in our home, maybe Ariel and I wouldn't have turned out this way. Portia was living in a box on the side of the road and became an airline mechanic but still didn't have Jesus. And she saw the transformation that was happening in Arl's life. And she said, I want that. I need that community. I need that salvation. I need that hope in Jesus. And even though she was an atheist, she said, Arl, can I come to your church? <laughs> and not only did she come to her church, she gave her life to Christ. And this is Arl baptizing her. Pretty amazing, isn't it? So I'm gonna wrap up here. I just want you guys, last thing I just wanna say is what's holding you back from being an advocate? There's lives on the other end of this waiting for change, waiting for hope, okay? Waiting for your encouragement. Um, advocate, thank you. We hope this message today has encouraged and inspired you. If you don't have a church home, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. And if we can support you or encourage you or help you in any way, please use any of the links that are in the description. Thanks again for joining us online. We pray you have a great week.